America's ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to just say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate you that for that in advance um, because, you know, we don't hide greatness on this show. If you hear something great or you are watching something great, you need to share the good news we're all about sharing good news on this particular program but t i think with all of the great pitchers that have come through the atlanta braves organization spencer strider still has shown us something that we've never seen before and the atlanta falcons there are some conversations that i feel that need to be had amongst us meaning the fans the media you know all those all the objective the well, not objective, the subjective people, the objective people, you know, not necessarily Arthur Smith. We need to have some conversations, and we're going to talk about that. And last but not least, and for the culture tea, the Savannah Bananas, they just absolutely get it. What are the Savannah Bananas? You're going to have to wait till we get there and for the culture. But first, T, the, Fal- the Falcons, excuse me, the Atlanta Braves sweep the Phillies over the weekend. Spencer Strider. Like I mentioned, there's a greatness. Like for him to be able to, he went into this game with 192 strikeouts. He ended up surpassing uh, 200 strikeouts, and this is the first time that has happened. Wait for it, since the late 1800s. T, this has been a very long time. Since, probably since you know uh, John Freaking was a child that we've seen something like this. This is absolutely crazy what Spencer Strider is doing at this moment. For those of you who don't get the reference. You know, Tanitra may explain it, or she may exclude my silliness and keep it moving. Like my pastor said, she'll get it after lunch. Okay? Right. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we talk about good, bad, or ugly, right? And honestly, right. in the series from this This week, is great, though. This yes, is great. There isn't this, any, this is great, yes. Exactly. There really isn't any bad. So I was like, this is the good, the great, and the ugly. And truly, right. Spencer Strider is... Uh, because like you said, just do it. And when you think of the company that he's keeping, like to be in the right. conversation with a Randy Johnson and eclipse him ever so slightly for being the youngest or the fastest to get to the 200 Ks is like mind blowing. I mean, it took you only 130 innings. It is absolutely crazy what he's been able to do. And to think he's doing it primarily with two pitches in the arsenal. He's adding right. that third yeah. slowly but surely, but with two pitches in the arsenal, almost like, I dare you, I dare you, I dare you. And, and, and really, it's the perfect, you know, whether you want to call them the troublemakers or you want to call them, you know, rookie row or whatever you want to call them. When I think about what Spencer Strider is doing, and if you throw Michael Harris a second and bust him in there, but when you think about what he's doing, the poise that we're seeing for him to go no hit through six innings, it's amazing, but then to talk to him post game and for him to just still have the, the right mindset of saying, yeah, all of it's great. I appreciate the 10 strikeouts, appreciate getting over 200, but it wouldn't have meant anything if we didn't win tonight. That to me is speaks volumes about the level of maturity of not just Spencer Strider, but really the entire Braves rookie class. 
Yeah, it's so crazy, like how uh, um, amazingly not only just the talent, right? We see we we seen that, like you can put that into yeah. numbers, right? We can we can kind of take a look at it because you know how baseball is. Everybody loves numbers when it comes to baseball. You can look at mm -hmm. the numbers and say these guys are really great. They're doing really well, but. I think it's something to be said about what you mentioned, right? The, the, the mm -hmm. level of maturity, right? For them to get three guys that mm -hmm. are showing, uh, exemplifying what rookies don't normally do, and that's for mm -hmm. them to be able to go out there and say the right, say all of the right things. Those guys haven't said anything out of pocket since they, you know, they've been up uh, in the early on since early on in the spring when they, uh, mm -hmm. when Harrison and Strider you know, made their necessary moves to their spaces where they are right now. So I think that. That's just something that you just don't see that often. And for them to have two to three guys to be able to uh, exemplify that, or rookies that is, mm -hmm. I think that the Braves are just, they just, Alex Anthopoulos and yes. what he's yes. done, and we have to continue to give that dude his flowers, as mm -hmm. we like to say on this show, right now. Like, yes. as we're going through it and as we continue to, you know, go through his regime as mm -hmm. a general manager of the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Now, yeah. T, you talked about the great, right? You know, um, as far as Spencer Strider. Yeah. I think we have to definitely, we kind of already kind of hinted at it, right? You know, Michael Harris, you know, he's pretty good as well, right? So yeah. we're going to have to go with his good. Um, that dude has been in the, in the month of September, T. He's batting 345 yes. with an OPS over one. That yeah. is absolutely yeah, ridiculous yeah. <laughs> like this dude, this dude just gets better and better as the season go along like you know you i remember the stat that you brought up um brought up like when he, as it gets later on in the games how he his average just goes up tremendously so i think that you know michael harris and the way he's been playing and and the way he was just i think the book is out on him now right not in a negative way i think right. just from a standpoint of got runners trying him like yes. that, I think it was Baum who was coming around third, and he, he saw that Michael Harris had the ball in his hand, mm -hmm. and and you know he was a, he was just like, oh, you know what? I'm not gonna try this, dude. Let me go. And he yeah. he launched that bad boy from uh, was it left um right center center yeah. right center field, and it was just like, he was like, yeah, I'm not gonna try this, dude. And I, and I think right. that for and I mentioned this earlier, we were talking looking at a Gold Glove type caliber player right here in his rookie season, and I think that. People who try to argue against that, they probably have lost their minds. Yeah, I would agree. And I know from a good perspective, which could be borderline great, but I'm going to go good and then ugly. The good is mm -hmm. Ronald Acuna because, hey, hey, he's back. He homered in uh, that wow. six-run eighth inning, you know, like that crazy game one. And then he turned right. back around and he drove in all four runs in the 4-3 winning game two, right? We didn't really right. see anything out of him in game three, and that's because of the ugly. His bestie was back for game one and back for game two, and they were Come killing on. it, and it was looking good, and then it didn't look good. And it's like, man, Ozzy just cannot get a – I don't want to say that word because that's what happened to him. He broke a right. finger. Yeah. But he right. just cannot catch a good one, man. And so you hate that for him, and that is the ugly because to see the level of excitement and joy – from the fan base, from the coaching staff, from the players, you knew how important he was to the organization. I think the only thing for me that makes this sort of pseudo ugly is maybe that they're, he's on the 10-day IL. And so maybe we'll see him back in the postseason. So that's a little encouraging. But, yeah, still ugly all around. 
No doubt about it. And, and that's the thing that, you know, we definitely going to keep an eye on. And then we talked, had the conversations about whether or not Von Grissom is going to move to left field when mm-hmm. Ozzy returns. Unfortunately, we don't, you know, we're not going to have to have those conversations because I say unfortunately because it's like you see the difference in, in that team when Ozzy is, is back, you know, and, yeah. you under, and, it, and I think it starts with his day one, Ronald mm-hmm. Acuna. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But T, I think one of the things that we have to talk about is this Georgia Bulldogs team. But before we do that, tell the folks about what's going on at betonline.net. Yes. So remember we told you guys Friday that it had been decades since the Detroit Lions were favored in a game. <laughs> right. And yours true. And listen, a name that is familiar with to you guys, DeAndre Swift, had himself a game. And that information would have been confirmed for you right there at betonline.net. They would have told you, what does that mean for the Lions to actually be favored for a game over the commanders, right? And then we'll mm. talk about this possibly today, but definitely sometime this week. Stetson Bennett, he came from like, 20,000, an odd like one in 20,000 <laughs> as the Heisman to being right in that conversation right now. Where are his odds? Where What are his chances of getting it? How do you bet on that? You go to betonline.net to find out. Or you can find out any information. If it's NFL, if it's NBA, if it's MLB, this race that keeps going back and forth. One day we feel like it's going to be Strider. The next day we feel like it's going to be MH2 for Rookie of the Year. They have that kind of information on betting odds. So even a niche sport, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. golf, MMA, you can get all of that information. And just like you guys watch this podcast to get all the information about ATL sports, they have podcasts too to get you guys up to speed. If you are a novice at betting or if you're someone who's experienced, you can still get layers. You can still always learn, right? So again, go to betonline.net. That is where the game starts for any and all the information that you need about betting, betonline.net. Betonline.net. Go ahead and check that bad boy out. Go ahead and win you some money, man. You know? It is September, and you know how people, how early people start shopping for Christmas. You might be able to get a little change so you can go ahead and take care of them babies before it's time. But, T, I think that um, the Georgia Bulldogs took care of all of the babies. They took care of all of the babies in the SEC East, starting with the South Carolina Gamecocks. They beat the dog mess, pun intended, out of the South Carolina Gamecocks in their house. And I think that one of the things that kind of stood out to me in this game is, is that we talked about how well the offense has played, you know, coming to this game on Friday. And I think that Stetson Bennett has to be in the conversation for the Heisman at this point, right? Because we know we always have the early candidates and you mentioned, mm-hmm. him, you know, talking about the odds coming yeah. into the season. Nobody expected Stetson Bennett to be playing this well. But mm-hmm. the way Ty Monken is calling plays and putting Bennett in p- position to make these uh, particular plays, I, I think that coming from a guy who – I doubt it's Stetson Bennett all the way up until the national championship game last year, but I think that I'm on I'm on this I'm on this train ride with the way Stetson Bennett has playing been playing this year, T. Okay, so the Bennett bandwagon you have jumped on it, which is all good. <laughs> yeah, I'm on it. I'm on it. Yeah, I'm on it. Okay. On the I'm cool. bandwagon. I'm good. Because hey, Tim Tebow jumped on it. He said, "I'll admit he wasn't in my top five in the beginning of the season." But now he is. And when you think about his ranking, he's second in the SEC, 11th in the nation in pass efficiency. That's pretty impressive. And he has the dogs 11th in passing yards. 
RBU is 11th in passing yards, second in the SEC, and sixth in the nation in total offense. The reason I say that is because those are numbers that, like, typically speaking, you would be looking to see, oh, wow, let me check that stat line, see what Kenny McIntosh did, see what Kendall Milton did. And don't get me wrong, they had a great game, 200-plus yards on the ground, but still all of the credit for them being where they are number one atop the AP poll on Sunday, you really have to get a lot of those kudos to Stetson Bennett. Now, CJ Stroud hasn't done a thing to be taken off the perch, and he, of course, is the favorite. But, Jarvis, your question was, has Stetson Bennett basically played himself into the conversation? Has Todd Munkin schemed him into the conversation? Has Brock Bowers helped to get Stetson Bennett in the conversation? Yes, Lord. The answer is yes, <laughs> yes, and yes. No doubt about it. And I think that, you know, to – to add to that, I think that, you know, it was another one, another thing, you know, obviously the, um, the Bulldogs in the game 48 to 7, the final score. But I think one other thing that stood out to me, T, is the fact that I think that also there needs to be a change at who gets the most carries at that running back position. Because I think that Dejon Edwards, Dejon Edwards is the guy that is shown to me. He's a guy that you can he can break off that one on one in an open field because I think McIntosh I'm still kind of waiting for him to, to you know to do that you know to show that during the game and and I think that once we once we do once the the, um, the Bulldogs make that necessary change as far as who gets the amount of touches Dejan Edwards is that guy and um, I think they need to be able to do that moving forward now speaking of moving forward. We got to figure out how to move forward with this Falcons loss to the Los Angeles Rams, 31 to 27. They blocking putts and all this stuff, trying to figure out how to get a win. We'll try to make sense of all that because we know what the word is for this particular season. And the word for the day is, it's progression. We'll explain. We'll talk about all that next right here on ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and T, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I'm Tanitra. That is Jarvis. And you guys are our number one fans. How do we know? Because you guys give us those five-star reviews wherever you download your podcast. And you guys are also starting to download on platforms like Amazon Fire and Roku, where we are now. So we appreciate that. And you guys are also continuing to subscribe and get us closer and closer to 4,000 subscribers as Locked On Sports Atlanta Network. So that is all you guys, that's how we know you give us love because, hey, you show and prove each and every day, and we appreciate it. Of course, appreciate you guys coming back each and every day. Now, let's preface by saying this. There is certainly a great appreciation on this show for the Falcons' effort yesterday, and it's not about right. moral victories. That's not the direction we're going to go in, but there were some really, really good takeaways. And so Jarvis made a great point that we want to talk about today, and that is the concept of progression. Because we all know this is essentially a bridge year, right? We're not expecting much in the way of a playoff run or anything like that. We're expecting that year three or year four in Arthur Smith's and Terry Fontenot's tenure is where we'll see that. But this can still be whether it's a whether you're looking at the win-loss column or whether you're looking at sacks, whether you're looking at an improvement in the run game, progression. That's what we're looking at, and that's what we're looking for. So from week one to week two, that's all. That's the sample size we have to work with right now, Jarvis. Did the Falcons mm -hmm. progress overall from then to now? Oh, like, like let's just start on the defense. <laughs> you know, like the, for them to get, you know, three, um, four, three turnovers, yes. you know, because we talked about how in week one, 
coming into week one against the New Orleans Saints that Jameis Winston, Winston will turn the football over, right? Mm -hmm. He's a 30-30 guy. I always make that joke about he's an ESPN 30-30 documentary guy, right? You know, but, you know, that was something that we saw for him against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He went mm -hmm. into that. He yeah. threw the pick six and all that stuff. And, and you know, he had three turnovers. So, mm -hmm. and I, coming into this game against the Los Angeles Rams, Matthew Stafford is a guy that's known to – Hey, he'll give you the ball if right. if you force him to, right? And right. and for them to go out there and do that, you mm -hmm. think that you know th that is something that you have to acknowledge and as progress as progress, right? Because you know we talked about how the offensive line for the Rams was was a little shaky, right? And, mm -hmm. and, the, and the Falcons weren't necessarily able to take full advantage of that, right? Um, but you know by they only got you know only only had one sack, so I think that that's something that you know you would look to see a little bit more uh, from, but like when you have a team like the Falcons, uh, specifically on defense, like they that showed themselves last year, one of the worst teams in pretty much every major category last mm -hmm. year, for them to come out against the Super Bowl, the reigning Super Bowl champions, and mm -hmm. force three turnovers and put themselves in position to win the game after being down twenty-eight to three, ironically, yeah. I think that you have to acknowledge that because that is definitely progress on my end. Yeah. And that was the progression that I would say as well on the defensive side of the ball that, yeah, you didn't have the sacks, although one sack then, four sacks last week, my two and a half sacks average per game this season uh -oh. is still a point. <laughs> Just saying. But uh, yeah. I need to listen to you now. That's two, that's two times you've been right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that one sack may not be what you got last week. But think about it. Think about what the sacks didn't necessarily do for you and what the turnovers necessarily did for you this right. week. It essentially allows you to claw back into the game and compete to actually win the game. So that's definitely where I think the progress is made. Now, the other thing is this, you know, thinking about progress from the offensive side, I would say the red zone productivity. When you think yeah. about four trips to the red zone and for the Falcons to walk away with two touchdowns, that is mighty impressive for a team that has been dogged the last few years by their inability to punch it in. So that's also a place where I see productivity. Now on the flip side, Jarvis, don't think there were too many instances of this, whether it's an individual or whether it's a group, but I was wondering as well, if you saw anybody or any group, any position group that may have regressed this week, but before you share with our audience, whether or not there's anybody or any group you felt progressed, Tell them about something that always, or regress rather, tell them about something that never has a regression because it's always trending up, and that is Coffee AM. Coffee AM King here. Have you ever been on a Monday where you're just feeling groggy and just down and just, man, I just don't feel like myself, you know? Nope, that's never been me because guess what? I go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on and go to the website right now. I'm about to tell you why because my day gets started each and every day. Day with a nice, fresh, small batch coffee roasted cup of coffee each and every day. And I think that, you know, when you think about going to my Kenya K cups, I got to start with them because that was my first love when it came to Coffee AM because I was trying those bad boys out. It doesn't take long. And, you know, Coffee AM is the best small batch coffee roaster in the entire country. And I just need a pick-me-up because I start my day early. I get, I get, you know, I get up early in the morning. I start getting my workout on and start doing my thing. And, and sometimes I just have to get myself going. And Coffee AM does exactly that for, for me. And because they are, like I mentioned, they are the best small batch coffee roaster in the entire country. Now, here's a little incentive for you to go to the website. 
Once you go to the website, coffeeandm.com backslash locked on, go ahead and drop in that coupon code box locked on. You're going to get 15% off all coffee, teas, and gift sets. You know, if you don't rock with the coffee, go ahead and um, try the teas out. If you don't rock with the tea, go ahead and give it a gift set. Make it a, a special gift for that person that you're trying to impress. I'm sure they're going to be impressed because you're going to help them get that day started off the right way each and every day. So go ahead and drop in that code locked on, uh, coffeeam.com backslash locked on. You're going to get 15% off and go ahead and pull up on the best small batch coffee roaster in the entire country. That would be a good thing to do, especially if you had a rough night sleeping last night because you kept thinking about how the Falcons could have won that game. So we understand. We feel your pain. Coffee AM will probably help you along the way. Now, on the regression side, again, had some really positive takeaways, and we saw some progress. Did you see a player or did you see a position group that you felt may have taken a step back? You know what? To be honest with you, I have to – Say, like, it's two parts, right? Because I think that, you know, the offensive line, you know, with the penalties down down in the red zone, that low red zone, as you refer to it as, you know, and I think and I think that's something that kind of stuck in my craw a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, when you get those penalties down there when you're close and you have the momentum and you're driving, that's something that kind of takes me back to last year, you know, because yes. we saw that a lot. A play, mm-hmm. An offensive lineman gets a holding call or they jump off sides and then next thing you know, into to a third and long situation yes. and then next thing you know you're kicking the field goal yeah but most of the time Koo makes the field goal but right. this particular time he missed the field goal so mm-hmm. those it's just like a snowball effect a lot of yep. times like never get into those situations where you, you're saying to yourself two or three plays later right you gotta stop the bleeding somehow we need yeah. a positive yeah. thinking so i think the offensive line they have to make sure they stay out of those situations because mm-hmm. it's like a snowball effect when you yeah. when, t- when you playing against teams that are more talented than you are you cannot afford to have these mental mistakes um in these particular situations specifically when you're mm-hmm. looking to punch it in for six yeah now i also have to say to kind of because he, he, all these things, you know, the quarterback and the offensive line kind of coincide with each other. So I kind of have to mm-hmm. can't talk about one without talking about the other. But I think Marcus Mariota is a guy that I feel like in none play action rollout situations, he just looked off. Yeah. And I think that this is something that we've seen for the first two games. And, and I'm and I'm trying to find a reason in my head T mm-hmm. on a way how he can fix it. Right. You know, yeah. but. The more and more I think about it, the more and more I feel that this is just who Marcus Mariota is. Yeah. And I think that's why they have to be able to run the ball successfully mm-hmm. in order for him to be successful. And that's one part of the conversation. What could make him successful and maybe keeping the ball out of his hands in lieu of or in favor of giving the ball to Cordero Patterson or Tyler Algier and letting them grind it up for you? On first down, for example, let them get yards and put you in second and short or third and short situations where he seems to be a little bit more effective. Uh, Maybe. uh, Yeah. So I I would say I would agree with you on that. But I will say this. And again, not to hit the panic button too soon at all. But. Here's how I wanted to frame this when I was thinking about the conversation that admittedly we have all heard the last 24 hours. In fact, midway through the game yesterday, Jasmine Ritter was trending. Okay. Yes. So he was trending, so, yes. So, exactly. So everybody's having that conversation in some way, shape, or form. And I just want to know from your perspective, and I have thoughts too, have we progressed, because that's our word for the day, 
to a legit mm -hmm. conversation about when will it be Desmond Ritter time? I think so, because, you know, here's the thing. Coming into this season, I didn't want to see a rookie quarterback's ego or whatever confidence he had. And we know that um, Desmond Ritter had a lot of confidence coming into this season. I didn't want to mm -hmm. see that get ruined, right? Because right. if you come back with mostly, you know, the same offensive line outside mm -hmm. of Drew Dahlman and Elijah Wilkinson, yeah. and we didn't know what they, that offensive line would look like. Well, right. two games in, mm -hmm. it's improved. And yeah, I think that yeah. they've shown that they can be, you know, effective running the football pretty consistently, right? You know, I think I think that's fair to say at this at this juncture, early on in the season, and for the most part, they've kept Marcus Mariota pretty clean. Mm -hmm. So you have those two factors, right, yeah. in, in each other. If you take those those two things that I feel like that can help a quarterback out, regardless who's mm -hmm. up on the center, yes. I think if you add that to Desmond Ritter. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that pretty much you take those two situations out of each other, you pretty much got the same guy. And if you and I right. feel like if you got the, the same guy in those right. with those two factors. Yes. What are we talking about? What? Because exactly. Marcus Mariota has been in the league for a long time, but he pretty right. much is what he is. Yes. If Desmond Ritter is almost at the same level as Marcus Mariota right now in this moment, mm -hmm. it's time to put the rookie in. Yeah, yeah, because I had always thought that best case scenario for Mariota, that is, that it might take five or six games. But after what we've seen, and like you said, he is who he is physically, but he is also who he is mentally. Because what right. I saw in those last two minutes, when you talk about the interception and when you look at the fumble and when you look at taking a sack, when you could just throw a Hail Mary up and hope like the dick is somebody catches that bad boy. It's like, especially okay. when it's the play call T. <laughs> that's what it is. Like you don't really have to call a Hail Mary. You're at the right. 50 yard line. We know what's going what on. It it's, yeah. it's seconds left on the clock. And so that's what I was thinking of as well, because it goes back to something that Arthur Smith said, and that is situational football. He wanted his team to win the game by being able to play effectively and successfully in certain situations. Marcus Mariota did not play good, sound, situational football because when you look at the play for the interception, yeah, 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 Jalen Ramsey goes up and that's an incredible play on his part, but you also have Brian Edwards double covered. You've got Drake London all the way in back of the end zone by himself. You have... Mm -hmm. Cordero Patterson, who's actually springing you for an extra block. Your O-line had actually held off the Rams' D-line. But Cordero right. Patterson gave you just enough room to, to move out of the pocket or move the pocket and decide one of two things. Let your legs get you the first down or buy you some time, and then you go out of bounds to stop the clock. Or OZ is right there as well. Try to get that ball to him without, of course, you know, crossing the, the line, uh, right. the original line of scrimmage. But you had, you had opportunities. Your decision-making after this long a period of time in the league is what is a bit troubling to me and for me. And so, yeah, I look at him and I think we have at least progressed to having the conversation about what about, what about, what about Ritter? Is it Ritter time? So when we come back, it'll be for the culture. And we are going to tell you guys what time it is in another part of Georgia. And we are also going to tell you that it's birthday time for somebody or somebody's. We'll talk about it on the other side in For the Culture.
Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanisha. We wanted to just say thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. We really appreciate you guys for downloading us wherever you get your podcasts and leaving those five-star reviews. And for continue to hit that subscribe button. If you have not done that, please do so because you may be the guy or the woman, whoever, to make us 4,000 subscribers strong in the Locked On Sports Atlanta family. Really appreciate you guys. Y'all guys been just really, really rocking with us. We really appreciate you. And let you know, we got a little announcement here. If you haven't heard, we're now on Amazon Fire and Roku. So if you're sitting in the house, you don't feel like going to your computer or listen to us on your phone, go ahead and pull us up on your TV, man. We look we look real, real fancy on, 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 the, on your television screen. We really appreciate you guys. But T, this is For the Culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture. And sometimes, what the hell do we want to talk about? Because that's how we get down you mentioned a small town in georgia i just want to go ahead and play this clip because i think it's it's very fitting to how our show gets down and i think it's something that's worth talking about so check it out Absolutely love it. Love it. <laughs> I just literally, I was up at the Avalon last yesterday and uh-huh. I'm walking, you know, we're just kind of checking out after we, we did brunch and it was so, there's little girl had her Savannah banana shirt on literally. Mm. And I thought about them last, you know, just yesterday. And I was like, they are truly a phenomenon because, you know, that's out in like Alpharetta in the middle of nowhere. And this of course is a Savannah team, but they just have so much fun with it and you see it in the stands like the stand the stands are packed out <laughs> oh my gosh it's a joy i mean it's really a yes. joy if you're gonna look if you're gonna play some minor league minor minor league baseball you might as well enjoy your time enjoy your time yeah like that's what makes it so great that's why i, I feel like the savannah bananas have it they understand they have it have things figured out yeah. about how you know fan experiences and they really cater to that because and you, when you think about it, like I think the the waiting list for a season tickets is just like absolutely <laughs> amazing. Like it's right. crazy. Like you have to really get in line for if you if you want to be able to have um, access to these ga- each and every home game. So mm-hmm. uh, they are doing something right, and I think yeah. that for the, how they cater to the fans, and I, I think it's absolutely amazing to you when you mm-hmm. when you actually think about it. Because you know I played in, in arena football, you know a little small minor league football. You can kind of um, um, refer to it as and it was the same way like just having trying to figure out ways creative ways to engage the fan during yeah. the game and you can even see the batter on the, the guy on the opposing team he was up there kind of juking that right. to play too so i'm just like that's absolutely amazing it's cool really cool to see and of course you know anytime you got yo Gotti bumping during a a, a, base, a minor league baseball game in my book you're doing something right now t i think that <clears throat> oh excuse me you have to talk talk about you know one thing that is not so feel good, right? You know, the yeah. Cleveland Browns, obviously, with all of the the, the news about Deshaun Watson, um, you know, about being, you know, having all of these um, civil suits against him, and, and now, you know, we know that he's going to be suspended uh, for what twelve games, twelve games um, uh, for the twenty twenty two season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's it's worth pointing out that the Cleveland Browns fans 
probably need to just y'all need to just go somewhere right now because it's yeah. absolutely crazy because there was a we're not going to show the picture of it but right. it was a a picture of of, of a mannequin mm-hmm. laying down on the table with a towel and they showed you know something that it was very inappropriate yes. in, in regards to deshaun watson getting massages and happy endings so i'd let you guys figure out what that means but i tell you yeah. i think this is absolutely crazy that you know you have fans after making light of a, this particular situation yeah and then taking eight by ten frames and putting portraits of those women in those frames at the bottom of the little massage table and then also having Ridiculous. a huge banner like almost the size of like a projection screen and right. having you know some acts that are actually shown on that and saying and then there was even a small sign that said happy endings are okay and i'm thinking to myself you know what newsflash people and these weren't you know how we like to say with millennials oh yeah they don't understand that not everything should be broadcast you know what it was a bunch of old folks out there okay these are like people who are probably deep in their jobs hardcore fans (laughs) yes but guess what it it, it went viral in a bad way and you can get fired for that you can get fired for that because social media is the public domain so good luck and to me assuming you don't have uh, friends that are sim- of similar mindset, I would be looking at you totally differently from now on. Like, what, what kind of person are you? I mean, this is right. football that we're talking about. Right. Those women, whether you believe them or not, th- their lives were impacted. And, right. and again, I'm saying whether you believe them or not, because even if some of them were not completely honest, and that's your, you know, that's kind of the plat the, where you sit, that's kind of your stance, if you will, but think about the aftermath for the ones who were honest and all that they are having to endure after coming forward. So please understand what you're about, I mean, you're vilifying or actually minimizing the importance of assault and inappropriate behavior all for the sake of a football game. But apparently Jarvis is something that's even bigger than just about football because at the end of the day, your team lost and, and your team's imploding and your whole organization is looking real suspect right now from your fan base on through. Good for you. That's all I have to say about the, uh, to the Cleveland Browns organization and fan base as well. More, more specifically the fan base, because that's absolutely ridiculous for you guys. You're adults and you're not, it's not a college football team. And you know, you can kind of explain this way. Oh yeah. 18 and 22 year olds. No, mm-hmm. you grown. You're grown yes. and you acting like this. So yeah. Yes. Anyway, I think the, we can end the show on a positive note. Yes, How about this? Would. Trey Young and DeJounte Murray have the same exact birthday tea. So I don't know about you. I know what I have in mind as far as uh, a birthday wish for these two cats. But what about what say you? What 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 should Trey um, Young and DeJounte Murray be looking to have as a birthday celebration? Maybe a few months from now. And the co-MVPs of the 2023 NBA Finals, Trey <laughs> Young and DeJounte Murray. Happy birthday. Yes. It's your birthday. It's your Absolutely. birthday. It's everybody's birthday if y'all do that. <laughs> yes. Oh, by no. the way, Malik Ellison, it's your birthday too, so happy birthday to you. <laughs> it will be plenty celebrated going on in the city of Atlanta. If those two get co- um, co-MVPs of the NBA Finals, 
Oh my goodness. The parties that will be going down in this city. And yes, I will be out as well. And I know T will be out doing her thing. So yes, don't you guys go anywhere because hey, we're not we we won't be able to celebrate a, a finals win by the Atlanta Hawks, but we will be talking about what the Braves do against the Washington Nationals. T and what else do we got going coming up for tomorrow's show? You know, it depends because we are on watch for whether or not somebody will stay or somebody will go in the 404. Appreciate you guys for checking us out. Don't forget, after you check us out, definitely go and check out Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Come back tomorrow, and we'll see what we're talking about. That New Orleans accent just came out. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> 